Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to season two of Pause Reset Brunch Podcast. My name is Natalie Francis Clark. I am your host, and I just want to welcome you again. Um, today, we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Rosalind Luke. And before uh, we begin, I'm going to read her bio. Rosalind Luke was born on the beautiful Caribbean island Barbados and migrated in 1983 to the United States. She holds a master's degree in organizational management from the University of Arizona Global Campus, formerly Ashwood University, and a bachelor's of arts in communications and media studies from the City University of New York Brooklyn College. She is a business management specialist at a financial service company and has held various positions for over 30 years. Rosalind is fueled by compassion and is an avid, avid advocate for the less fortunate. She is passionate about the advancement of the heart math tutoring. I'm sorry. She is passionate about the advancement of children, both educationally and socially, and has volunteered with heart math tutoring. Everfine, Junior Achievement, Big Brother, Big Sister of Greater Carolina, and several elementary, middle, and high schools in her community. She recently launched the Classroom Ready, Set, Go project, which assisted economically disadvantaged high school students in Dominica with uniforms and school supplies. As a mental health advocate, Rosalind is certified in adult mental health first aid and QPR suicide prevention gatekeeper. She enjoys reading and writing her in her spare time and published her first journal, Honor Thy Mother, a 30-day guided journal for healing a mother-child relationship in July. Let's welcome Rosalind. Hi, Ros. Hello, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. So I always like to ask my guests before I begin, what are they eating or drinking at the moment? Well, I'm drinking water. I need to stay hydrated. So <laughs> I'll be doing that all day. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I'm actually drinking water myself. <laughs> I just I try to jazz it up by just pouring a little bit of um lemon juice and a little bit of orange juice just to give it a little flavor. Wow, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so it says that you're fueled by compassion, right? And you're an advocate for the less fortunate. What ignited you to become this advocate? Well, um, when I first migrated to um to New York, it mm -hmm. was really hard for me. I was living with a family member who was not the nicest person. And um after graduating from high school in Brooklyn, I had to get a job. Um I didn't have a green card, it was undocumented, so I had to get a nanny job. My okay. cousin gave me twenty dollars and I had to go to a job interview in New Jersey. So this was the first time I'm leaving New York to go outside, you know, to another state. And what happened, I didn't know that if the um, ticket booth was open at the train station and I didn't buy my ticket from there, they would charge me extra money on the train. 
So I got on the train and when the conductor came around, I told him where I wanted to go. And he said, it was like probably like maybe $21 or so. I only had $20 and I was so scared. And this lady who was sitting next to me, a total stranger, she tapped me on my shoulder and she said, don't worry, I'll pay the difference. And right there and then, I felt like if, you know, like just a dollar and something cents was going to stand between me and my future because I needed this job to get a green card, you know, so that I can make something of myself in America. And I made a promise to God that when I make something of myself and if there's any person that I meet along the way, whoever need it, once I have it, I would do it because I know what like just a dollar and something cents, the mm-hmm. difference that it made and the difference that it could have made in my life if this lady didn't open her purse mm-hmm. and say to me, I will pay your fare, I will pay the difference for you. So that is what like, that's what drives me, you know, that's what makes me so compassionate towards others. Yeah, that's that's amazing that that something under two dollars could mean so much and make such a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been you know, you've been involved in empowering and driving education, um, you know, social initiatives for children. Why are you so invested, you know, in the kids and can you maybe kind of expound why you feel others? me be so invested as well well um i know the value of an education and growing up in barbados education is free from elementary school to university and the educational system there is very it's really it's excellent Mm -hmm. and when i came to america i realized that there's a lot of kids because if you know because their economic background, they do not have the same access to a good quality education as others who, like the haves, you know, there's a big difference between the haves and the have-nots. Right. So that is what drives me because I got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree free of cost. You know, my employer paid for my bachelor's degree. That was one of the, the benefits. And that's one of the reasons why I took the job. It wasn't for the money because at that time the money was very small, but mm-hmm. it was the opportunity where I knew, okay, I can get a bachelor's degree that would help me. And then when I went back to get my master's, they paid a portion of it. And then I was fortunate to get a scholarship for the difference from Ashford University. So for me, it is like education can, you know, it can open so many doors mm-hmm. um, for you. And, if you don't have it, you know, you can be so disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you encourage others to be as invested as you are or how, how do you go about that? Well, I have friends who they might not volunteer in the classroom, but if I'm doing a project, Mm-hmm. They would support me financially. You know, I have some friends that they would always give. I can always count on them. Okay. Um, I have a program at one of the local elementary schools where I would supply 
breakfast bars for the class because the teacher, she was taking her money and she was buying breakfast bars because some kids, they come to school hungry. Mm. And, you know, teachers don't make a lot of money. And I told her, I said, this is something that I can do. So I have friends who always donate. And then at the end of the school year, we provide a book for them to read over the summer. And also, um, you know, we take them to lunch because some kids, they never had a dining experience. They don't know what it's like mm. to go to a restaurant and sit and order from a menu. So I have folks that they, they know what I'm doing. They see what I'm doing and they have, you know, they don't have a problem like donating. I mm. might have a problem getting them to go in the classroom <laughs> and volunteer to teach a class because, you know, they think, oh, no, I can't do that. But they give in other ways. Okay. So let me ask you. So let, let let's say, you know, someone's listening and they say, you know, I wanna I wanna contribute, you know, to what you're doing for you know, for this teacher, you know, helping the students go to a place to eat. How 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 can someone get in contact with you in regards to doing that? They can email me. Um my email is Roz R O S Zizin Zebra R O S one four at aol.com or ros rosz as in zebra ros 14 at gmail.com or they can they can call me on my cell phone my number is 704-491-9100 i'm not a big fan of like the social media so i don't have all the social media okay. handles okay. <laughs> i just have facebook i'm on facebook as roslyn best ros L-I-N-D-S-T. So they can also reach out to me um, that way as well. Okay. All right. Well, you, you heard how you can get in contact with Rosin to help in what she does here in Charlotte. Now, tell us about the Classroom Ready, Set, Go project. Well, um, when COVID um, hit in early 2020, mm-hmm. um, I have a friend in Dominica and he knew someone who was having a challenge trying to get books for his son because he does like a lot of wood carving. So he sell his stuff to um, tourists, especially like the cruise ship. So okay. the cruise ship has stopped going to Dominica, like pretty much everything was shut down. So this gentleman, he had an issue trying to get the books for his son. So my friend had had texted me and he said, you know, are you, do you want to buy any of these wood carvings? You know, this guy, he's trying to sell these wood carvings so he can raise the money. And I said to him, I said, even if I bought them, um, you know, everything shut down, how would I get them? So I inquired, I said, well, how much is the money for the book? And it was like, it wasn't an awful lot of money. I think it was like equivalent to maybe 120 US. So I said, well, I'll send the money to you. And you can pass the money on to the gentleman. And mm-hmm. then, um, so I did that and they were very grateful. So then last school, this school year, God just placed it on my heart where I wanted to help another kid in Dominica. So I have a friend who she has a radio program. So I reach out to her and I said, you know, can you help me? You know, I want to donate to, to a child. And, um, can you advertise it on your on your program? And she said yes. So then I had to come up with a name 
for this program. So I created Classroom Ready, Set, Go. And that's how it came about. And we were able to, so I, I donated. It started out being one student and then people started donating and we were able to donate to seven, seven students. Awesome. Do you see you, um, do you see this um, organization Classroom Ready, Set, Go project? Do you see it going to other islands in the future? Yeah. Yep. So next year, I want to do Dominica as well. And I want to include Barbados because that's where I'm from. So I want to give back um, there as well. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. You know, they say, you know, to, to, I can never say it right, but basically when you, when you get a lot, you know, much is, much is um, required. So I guess to him, much is given, much is required. Yes, there you go. I I know you would know that. <laughs> you know that, that that's awesome. So I I want to commend you. Um, however, I've never heard of a QPR prevention gatekeeper. What is what is that? Is there a training for that? Um, can you just explain that? What it is, um, it's offered at my job. And during the pandemic, when, you know, there was a lot of people, you know, suffering from stress, anxiety, um, the class was offered and I decided to take it. And pretty much what it is, they teach you how to notice the signs in a person who might be going through some kind of crisis. Um, if they tell you that they're contemplating suicide, you're trained to talk to them and to pretty much get them help. And the reason why I also did it is because I had a cousin who died by suicide mm -hmm. and it was very difficult. And, you know, coming from growing up in a Caribbean background, mm -hmm. when I went to Barbados, um, there were some family members who didn't really understand and they opted not to go to the funeral because they weren't going to go to a funeral for, of some person who took their life. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it, it was, it was very sad because my position was that, you know, my cousin, he's already gone, but you're going to support his mom who was right. really going through a difficult time. Mm -hmm. So that also prompted me to take it. So I'm equipped. You know, if somebody's going through a crisis, you know, they also train you. You don't put your life in danger, you know, because those situations can get very difficult sometimes. Mm -hmm. You're not a, a counselor. So what you do is you talk to them and you get them to the next level, which is help, which is maybe if you have to call 911, you're trained to inform them that this person might be going through a crisis. So they know when they dispatch the police officer or the medic to send some person who is trained, you know, uh -huh. to assist in that situation. Because, you know, sometimes those situations don't always end up, you know, on a good side, you know. So um, exactly. Yeah. So it, it's a really good um, it's a really good certification to have. And I would encourage anybody um, to take it. Now you stated, you know, at being, you know, Caribbeans, you know, I'm from Montserrat, you're from Barbados, and the whole stigma of mental health 
it's still not really touched upon. Um, how do you think we can make that change? How do you how do you think we can um, you know make mental health something that's talked about, understood a little bit more? I think that we can be advocates for it. We can um, totally, you know, surely bring awareness because mm -hmm. I remember when my dad died, I was suffering from severe anxiety and I was having panic attacks. I didn't know what they were. And it was only until I went to counseling that I was diagnosed and then I was given the tools to 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 help with it. Um, I know in the Caribbean, is something that, you know, people don't talk about. If you have some kind of mental health issue, even the terminology, they call you mad. You know, yeah. people are not mad, you know, that's, mm -hmm. not, that's not a good word to use. You know, they're having a mental health challenge and even, even the wording, you know, and, and even to get like that conversation. Also, you know, they think, Somebody do something to you, you know, they they don't think that, you know, there's something wrong with you mentally. They think that somebody put a spell on you or they work voodoo on you or something. Mm -hmm. And we who know better, we can have the conversation. We can start with our families and let them know, look, this is the right terminology to you. This is what they say or even when we're going through something, we tend not to talk about it. We need to be more open and we need to have that conversation. And I think once we start with a conversation and we let people know this is normal, a lot of people go through it and there is help because people think that if you have a mental health issue, there's no help that like you get put in this asylum with like, you know, in a cage with four walls and you're doomed mm -hmm. and you're not, there is help mm -hmm. out there, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that we need to start that conversation. Yeah, that's so true. Now you're an advocate. So let me ask you, how do you advocate for yourself? You, you've been in um, corporate for over 30 years. So I'm sure you've had to advocate for yourself. So how do you advocate for yourself doing that? for your career, health, and also self-care? Well, um, career-wise, um, I did not always advocate for myself because I was always of the belief that, you know, you have a job, you go to work, you work hard, you give your all, and mm. you're that manager or some magical person is going to see you mm -hmm. and they're going to see your work. They don't see your work. They see your value to the organization. You have to know your worth mm -hmm. and you have to advocate for that. So what I know now, if I knew that many years ago, I would have been a better advocate for myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was a time when I would stay at work till late hours of the night and do what I thought was required of me. But you find that if you do not advocate for yourself, nobody's going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. and, and, and one of the biggest things is that you have to know your worth. And when you know your worth, then you can advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. And as far as my, um, my health, oh, I am 
as I say, things that I did before, I don't do anymore. You know, when I feel tired or I feel stressed, I am going to take that day off. I'm going to take that me day and take care of me. Mm -hmm. I am not going to go and say, you know what? Oh, I cannot call in on a Monday because I'm not feeling well because somebody's going to think, because, you know, that was mm -hmm. the old way. Oh, right. no, you don't, you don't call in on Monday because they're going to think that you are partying all weekend and you can't come to work. No, mm -hmm. if I am not feeling well physically or mentally, I am not going to go. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, do what I have to do to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. So what are ways that you practice self-care? Oh, my self-care comes in the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. Mm -hmm. Physical, I try to get in um, exercise at least three days a week. If there's, you know, a week where I can't do three days, I don't knock myself. So I, we go, I go to gym. Now we have a gym at work. And uh, so I try to get in a few classes. I do my yoga because that is very important for me. Mm -hmm. So um, mentally, I do the journaling. I also had to learn how to set well, actually define and set clear, healthy boundaries because I was once a person, I would say yes when I, when I should say no. Mm -hmm. So now I, I say yes without resentment and I say no without an apology. Mm -hmm. And you have to do that. You know, I have to do that to maintain my mental state. So if it means like, you know, coming home from work and just lying on my couch and not calling anybody or not taking phone calls. Mm -hmm. I do what I have to do. Um, spiritually, I, um, you know, I do my morning devotion. I also, you know, I read the Bible and I also read other devotional books. Um, I read like a lot of Diana Van Zandt. I am a big, um, I like philosophy, so I like to read the readings of Kilo Gibran and you know like my spirit know your spirit know what you need so like I know what I need so I will go to that source um I also invested in these epic intention cards and some days I shuffle my cards and I pull one and you know I set my intention for the day so that is how I do myself here Awesome. I love that. Setting your intentions for the day. I need to, I need to do that. <laughs> Be better. <Yeah. laughs> so listen, congratulations on publishing your first journal, The Mother-Child Relationship. Um, Thank you. <laughs> you know, that's a big, big accomplishment. So what made you decide to have your first published work pertaining to the mother-child relationship? Well, um, my mother and I, we didn't have the typical mother-daughter relationship. And I don't know, even know if there is such a thing, mm -hmm. but you know how society puts a label on stuff and it's supposed to be this way or the other way. Mm -hmm. And um, growing up, when I was three years old, my mother, she sent me to live with her cousin. She, to this day, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And um. I, there was always like that void in me, but she would always come and visit. She gave me 
everything I needed. I never lacked for anything. But it was always that void in me, like, why am I not living with my mother? And then when I was 17, she sent me to New York to live with another family member. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I resented. And I, over the years, like my mother and I, we never really had that relationship. And mm-hmm. as I stated in the journal, the times when I would go because society says that you're supposed to do this. So I would buy like for Mother's Day, I would buy like the most, like I would go to the store, go to Hallmark, and I would buy the biggest, most beautiful cards. But when I opened the card, like the words, like, so it was like if I was living a lie, I would do it for Mother's Day, I would do it for Christmas, and I would do it for her birthday. And one day I decided, you know, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And I had to go through like a lot of like praying and, and you know, not to have that resentment towards my mother. And over the years, as I would go back to Barbados, we started to build a relationship. Mm-hmm. It is not you know, the one you see in the movies or, you know, on the sitcoms, it's like, it's not the Cosby mother, but, um, but it is what it is. And I had a friend, unfortunately, she passed away. Um, she passed away last year and she never had a good relationship with her mother. And she carried a, a, around a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of baggage. Mm-hmm. And her mother died, but her mother had reached out to her and she would never, she was so like hurt and so harsh. And I would always tell her, you need to talk to your mother. You need to make amends with her before she passes. But her mother passed away before she did that. And mm-hmm. so I was like, you know what? And then there were other people, like a lot of people that I know, they don't have a good relationship with their mother. Mm-hmm. So when COVID hit, you know, I had a lot of times on my hands. So I started like scribbling stuff down, you know, I said, well, you know what, I'm going to write something to honor my mother because what, what, what helped me and what like kept me from having like any like hatred or any malice in my heart towards my mother was because the Bible say honor thy mother. And that was something that I always had at the forefront. Like when I would come up with, you know, there were obstacles between me and my mom, I would be like, you know, the Bible said, honor thy mother. And that would get me through. So I started, um, I started writing. It was just going to be this journal with biblical scripture. And I was taking um, a personal development class and my coach, I, I, I shared it with her and I started scribbling. And one day I said to her, well, can you get just read this? And she said to me, Oh, this is interesting. Why don't you write your backstory? Because if you write your backstory, it would give it a lot more meaning. So it started to develop. And that is what um what kind of triggered me to to write this because I know that there there are other people out there who went through similar things to like had a similar experience. Or um, or even if your relationship with your mother was a good one, there's still always um, an area to make it better mm-hmm. or for growth. And at first it was it was a journal for like to heal a mother-daughter relationship. 
But then someone said to me, you know, men have mothers too. <laughs> and <laughs> they, 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 they need healing as well. So then I change it from mother-daughter to mother-child relationship. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because to be honest, I mean, that's one of the first relationships we have. And I see um, when you when you think about that, I was always told when you date someone, pay attention, a guy, pay attention to the relationship he has with his mom, because sometimes that di dictates how the relationship is. Not saying yeah. that's true all the time, but yeah, yeah, a good, you know, a good portion of the time that is that is so true. Um, so oh, how okay. how how can someone purchase this journal? It's on Amazon, so they can go on Amazon. They could Google my name, Rosalind Loop, or they could um, Google Honor Thy Mother, and it comes up. So I, I, um, it's sold on Amazon. Um, I do have a few copies. If someone is interested in having their copy autograph, I do have some. They can reach out to me, and um, and I can I can get that to them. I try not to do a lot of that because. You know, if they're not local, then you have to go to the post office and you have to ship it. So I try. I did that initially, and it ended up being like, you know, it it, it was a task in itself. You know, so um, I try to um, shy away from that. But if 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 someone really wants um, you know, to have an autograph, you know, I'm more than willing to do that. And I just want to say that Honor Thy Mothers for me is not just a journal. It's a movement. And I have like some plans, like um, probably next year where I want to do some other things um, around Honor Thy Mother because I got a lot of great feedback. And I think that there's a lot more that I can do, you know, with this subject. Awesome. Well, you you heard it. Go to Amazon, people, and um, purchase purchase the book. Purchase the book. If it's one thing, um, there's a lot of nuggets. If you would like to help out with classroom ready set goal project, if you would like to help out with the um with the classroom that Rosalyn assists with in the Charlotte region, she's giving you her information. So we have no excuse to reach out to to Rosalyn. So, Rosalyn, anything you'd like to um to share before we wrap up? Um, no, I don't. I don't think I want to share anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you for um uh, being my guest for my season two. Um, thank you very much. Um, I want to thank the audience for listening. And if anyone is out there that's interested in being a guest on the Pause Reset podcast, please feel free to email me at pauseresetbrunch at gmail.com. Or they can check out uh, myself at on Instagram. The handle is naturalantingllc. Once again, I want to thank you, Rosalind, so much. And people, let's go out there and support and purchase that book on, on Amazon. Well, thank you for having me, Natalie. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. So once again, thank you. And I hope everyone has a wonderful day.